What kind of jokes does the CDC recommend? March 23rd. Do you want me to do... I'll just do the numbers. Okay, and we'll start with that. We have 2,000, over 2,000 cases in Canada. 2,091. 503 in Ontario. 239 in Toronto. 24 deaths in Canada. 6 deaths in... Ontario, and one death in Toronto. And the big jump, there's a big jump from yesterday's numbers. Do you have right. yesterday's Canada's number? Yeah, 1,469. Right, so jump by 619 or so cases today. And that is because of Quebec, because Quebec, I think they increased their capacity for testing, but in addition to that, they decided to count um presume presumptive covid-19 cases mm -hmm. that look obviously like covid-19 even though there's not a test result saying it is covid-19 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. which is how it should be done mm -hmm. i hope other provinces follow suit with that and admit that there's community transmission she's like so bar in, in ontario our what did i say she was the associate medical I've lost it. Associate Medical Chief, sorry, As Ontario's Associate Chief Medical Officer of Health, Barbara Yaffe, um, now says, I think it's fair to say that yes, in some small percentage of cases, there may be some local transmission of COVID-19. I feel like that's the first time she's actually like yeah. said it, but I it feels know. like she's still trying to downplay like that. I feel like she really needs to speak with some epidemiologists. Yeah. <laughs> which i'm sure she's doing yeah. but she seems very hesitant to just admit just mm -hmm. it gra like well dr eileen that. de villa in her statement today mm -hmm. it says we expect to see more covid19 cases in our city with and without a travel link as i've said before community transmission is occurring mm. so she is very blunt about it yeah um we saw reports that uh, one million people, over a million people came back to Canada over the last little while. I can't remember what the window of time was, but huge number of people back in Canada now. Which is why all our leaders are saying, if you came home from travel self-isolate, Doug Ford was going to pop a blood vessel today <laughs> saying that. He's like, I can't say this enough times <laughs> if you're coming home from travel. So I, and I think he said that like four times. Like, I'm not kidding. I yeah. can't say this enough times. Yeah. It's very important, but I guess it's good not everyone's listening. I did not see Justin Trudeau's press conference today, but I heard through secondary reports that he chastise people who weren't following social distancing which is now being called physical distancing mm -hmm. um, yeah i saw that change in terminology i think i mean the problem is the people that aren't paying attention aren't paying attention they're like yeah they're not like watching the press conference about covid19 mm -hmm. just before you turned on the recorder i happened to <sighs> open uh reddit yeah. And people are reporting that like High Park in Toronto is packed with people. Yeah. Not so our little park. Avery went and got to go to the park today and go on the swing because yeah. it was raining and mm -hmm. the park <laughs> was completely <laughs> empty. 
So that was nice. Yeah, go out in the rain. Go out early in the morning. <laughs> go out in the rain. This is how you get to go to the park. I think early in the morning and I don't know. When else? You still have to be careful of surfaces, though. I think I'm not careful enough with surfaces. But for, y- for yourself or for Avery? or in Just in general. Just yeah. thinking about it. Um, but now, since it's cold, like... He was wearing gloves all the time. So doesn't mean he doesn't scrub his nose with his gr- with his gold. No, mud. it doesn't mean that. But he'll it would probably just be mostly mud. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think the good. I think what those there that study that looked at how long this stuff lives on surfaces. I think the, I mean the metal surfaces are. Are they better? Yeah, they're better. They're better, right? Like mm-hmm. things die on metal surfaces faster. Oh no, the opposite. They live longer. Copper longer. was the shortest, copper but, was the but shortest. I mean that's like bare copper, I guess. But yeah, like I wonder other metals, painted metal, like at the playground, if that's different. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, definitely didn't contact with other people today. If you were out, if you go out early in the morning and no child has snotted on the playground equipment for like overnight. <laughs> You know, no, like yeah. assume the latest, like someone was out at like six, you're good. Right. You're probably safe. You're probably good. Especially like in the rain, like. Yeah, you're basically washing I mean, rain. it's, mm-hmm. I feel like it's fine. Um, I read an interesting article today that was making the rounds describing um, a not very well-known symptom for mild COVID-19 cases. Which is people seem to lose their smell, their sense of smell, oh, yeah, and or their sense of taste. That's so weird. And so, and this seems to happen in mild cases, and in fact, it can be your only symptom. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess doctors in Italy started noticing this because they would hear kind of over and over again that a patient in hospital, their spouse at home was totally fine except that they lost their sense of smell. And this people just doctors just kind of kept hearing this over and over and over again until I think it was a doctor in the UK and ear, nose, throat specialist in the UK kind of like kept hearing these stories and so they finally put together like a communication mm-hmm. to be like, FYI, everybody. Mm-hmm. If you see that, that means you should yeah. test. Right. Yeah. Or isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, on masks, I was on the the UHN call. The, they have a it's it's really a great thing they're doing at UHN. They're basically having an hour long open session where you ask questions and the qu- the questions get voted up. Sort of, there's an online thing where you enter your question and the most voted on questions get answered. And there and are some. This is daily that they're doing. Yeah, this? every day. Wow. Even on the weekend, I think they did it. Really? Once. I'm not sure. I might be making that up now. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but but this but is a fact-based podcast. Definitely like. on weekends, it's happening. Um, weekdays. We, sorry, weekdays, it's happening. And there's some harsh questions like the I can't remember who, like these like the CEO. And like the chair of the like the current CEO of the found foundation, the head public relations person, the like all the heads of all the big and departments. maybe just for non-Torontonians, UH is yeah. University Health Network is composed of five different hospitals. I think they say 
four. It's Princess it's Margaret. Toronto Tron- General, Tron- Toronto Western, and, Tron- and Toronto Rehab. Toronto Rehab or Tillich Works. Yeah, and Toronto Rehab is like a also com- composed of like four or five. I can't remember how many sites we are now, but mm-hmm. yeah, different. So sites. it's a very huge healthcare organization. It's the biggest hospital in Canada for sure. I'm Probably. not sure. Potentially North America. I don't know. Maybe not. Probably oh, not. there's some pretty big. Probably not. Yeah. Campuses in the U.S. But anyways, it's huge. Huge. So they have all. They have huge challenges. They don't. You know, things. A lot of bureaucracy and things that they have to deal with, and getting the big systems to change and adapt to sudden things are tough. But they're. I mean, I think they're doing everything as well as they possibly could, as transparently as they can, and um, I think. Yeah, just passing on, like trying to be as honest as possible about m- just equipment shortages. Like, why are people not getting, like, there were five people asking, how come we're not wearing masks for all procedures at other hospitals? They're using masks for all procedures. Like, er- all clinical areas, everyone's wearing surgical masks. Why aren't we doing that? And they said today, we're switching to that because that's what we've been seeing and um, mm-hmm. we're doing it. Um, they also, the CEO also said, he's now feeling more encouraged about supplies of masks. They seem to be, there's a number of companies that are like manufacturing, they're going to manufacture them. There's just supply chains seem to be there, multiple ones, and they've placed orders with multiple places. And he he says even as of Friday, he was starting to get more worried. But as of now, Monday, he feels much, he feels better about the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that seems like it might. And people are donating. There's tons of people coming out of the woodwork donating um, masks and and things and equipment. So mm-hmm. doctors have well, the doctor at we talked about this last night at um, Michael Guerin Hospital mm-hmm. put a call out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's been a huge like I think people are are really stepping up and and mm-hmm. doing things. So that's great. Yeah. Um, I missed the top of my list. Did we mention that the Olympics are postponed? Are they? We did. Are yeah. they? Yeah. They officially postponed them now? I didn't I see that yet. I believe oh. so. Okay. Wait, I thought that the guys, the IOC-based podcast. <laughs> I'll double check. The last I read, the IOC said we're he's very like cagey on it. It sounded like like. Well, last night our breaking news was that. Canada was not going yeah. to send athletes, and Australia said the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's good for Canada to lead that charge. Yeah. R- really, it was probably is it Katie Humphreys that started that? Like she basically s- started the I don't know movement. I think. Well, maybe it's. Okay. I don't know if this is official or not. It says IOC member Dick Pound yeah. says Tokyo Olympics will be postponed. Okay. So that's that he's the Canadian. He's a Canadian. There's the the oh actual. Yeah. But the who's the who's the if you look, there's somebody else making statements. Basically, I think after Canada has announced it. See, Canadian IOC member believes Tokyo Olympics will be postponed. When was that? But that was six hours ago. But who's the actual IOC, ch- like CEO or whatever? 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that he's IOC less? He has not member. said anything. Like, okay, he's, so it's not official. He's being cagey on it, and he's like, I mean, he's he doesn't want it to be. He's saying we definitely are not going to cancel it, but we're thinking about postponing it. I mean, a hundred percent, it's not happening this. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I mean, whether they realize it or not. Yeah, no kidding. No one's going. I will put my money on that. Yeah. And did we mention the Ontario announcement today? That was also big. I feel like I just skipped yep. right over the top of my list here. Hit it. So um, Ontario press conference today is that they're closing all non-essential businesses Tuesday at midnight. Yeah. And I read Quebec is doing the same. I don't know about other provinces. So tomorrow they're going to put out a list of what is essential and what is non-essential. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's good and necessary. Mm-hmm. And today, well, every day, <laughs> I try and look for evidence that poor Italy's methods are working. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to find for some reason. Um, so Italy's numbers are very easy to find, and Italy's ri- numbers of deaths and cases are rising rapidly but i suspect that in the north where the outbreak started and where they took the measures the fastest that Mm. they should be starting to see a slowdown by now Mm. even if it's just is that what lombardy was yeah yeah the lombardy region and there's another region i can't remember the name of Mm -hmm. um and that in the south the later cases that's where all the fast growth is coming from but i can't find the data the italy data by region Hmm. that's not true patrick your friend patrick Mm -hmm. sent it to me today but it's not in a way that i could i couldn't figure out how to see the data in a way that i could understand it so that remains a mystery to me Mm Um, but in that little glimpse of the data, I did see that the north, the Lombardy region seems to only account for about half of Italy's current cases, which does support mm-hmm. my hypothesis that it's the south where this growth is happening. So I'm going to keep looking mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the Italy regional data. Mm-hmm. Um, and either way... Um, in the next week or two, we should see a slow of their cases across the whole country with the measures they put in place if they're working. Mm-hmm. And also the New York Times did a really fascinating article on kind of the early history of Italy's outbreak and the steps that mm, the various regions took at different times. Mm-hmm very fascinating and it did make me feel a little more secure with our position even though our numbers are rising so fast here as well Mm. and you just kind of hold your breath and hope that the measures that we're taking are gonna pay off in Mm. another week or so Mm -hmm. um but in italy they didn't lock down the north of italy until they had 366 deaths and we we are locked down at six deaths here in ontario in ontario yeah so 
And we're pretty locked down, like with the closing of non-essential businesses, like there's not a lot more steps to take without like forcing us to stay in our home yeah. or tracking via cell phones or something. Or masks. Or masks, like just wearing more masks. Everyone wearing masks. Yeah. Like that's what they did in China and yeah. in South Korea. But I mean, if you have everybody in your house and everybody's staying home, there's not a lot of point in masks. No, yeah, but I mean, for anyone who leaves the house, if you go out of the house, wear right, a mask. wear a mask. I mean, we'll probably get to that point if people can find surgical masks. Yeah, we have some sitting around because I used to wear them mm-hmm. when Caden was a baby. If I had a cold, mm-hmm. I would wear a surgical mask, and so we've just had a stack of them around we probably got rid of some oh we got rid of a lot <laughs> i kept just like a handful because i was like when are we ever gonna need when these? are we ever gonna need <laughs> these we don't wear masks anymore i also threw out some n95 masks because i had them <gasps> for sanding don't say that in public i mean they were really old but they're just like i had mm. i bought them like five years ago used one of ten in a pack mm-hmm. and like i was like i'm never gonna use these again and then now look at where we are now look where we are I think they expire after five years anyways, so. All right. I have two more things to talk about. Okay. One of them's kind of heavy. What do you have? Do you want me to do the, a light thing? Sure. And then you can do the heavy thing. The, the thing I noticed today and yesterday, I think, the internet traffic. It seems like with everyone working from home, there's like, and everyone's probably, con- you know, web web conferencing, it seems like at the top of the hour, the internet just slows to a crawl. Yeah. And like two or three times, we're like, what happened to the internet? It just yeah, stopped. And all day. And it, I think I think we're going to keep track this. I'm going to track this tomorrow to see mm-hmm. if those mo- those things follow the hour on the hour in the Tilic's afternoon. going to start setting his meetings for 10 to the hour. Yeah. Start or like try to do it in the second half of the hour. Like, I don't know. Everyone like two o'clock, three o'clock. Definitely like it was. Four, definitely four o'clock everyone's trying to set their meetings by the t- you know they get up get the kids ready and then all the meetings are in the afternoon okay that's it for that one okay um my aunt linda sent me an interesting article today about mm. another possible i guess preventable therapy for covid19 so We've talked before about like if and well when <laughs> we start to resume normal life again. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let me back up a little bit more. So if we're successful at kind of squashing the outbreak without a high percentage of the population getting infected, mm-hmm. then when we start lifting restrictions, we're going to be wide open to more outbreaks and so we'll have to have something in place to stop that so it can be a number of things like you can keep the outbreak in check with um testing and case tracking and isolation Mm -hmm. or you could have someone could come up with a treatment for disease so that excuse me so that if some people start to get really ill you can treat it and so maybe then they just get better in a couple of days instead of being in the hospital for two weeks, mm-hmm. which would really lessen the impact on the healthcare system. Um, 
And then maybe if we had something like that, that's a bit of a fantasy. I don't know. Nobody's talking about that, but it's just a scenario. Yeah. Um, and then the final solution, hopefully, is a, is a vaccine so that you can just provide immunity to the population. But then there's kind of this in-between therapy where um, people are trying to isolate and produce antibodies mm-hmm. um, that you would infuse into patients that would give them partial immunity temporarily. That's very exciting. Yeah, It's exciting, but it's also, I was reading a bit more about it since I talked to you last about it, mm. and it's really expensive and difficult. Like, you have to infuse it, right, into people's blood. You can't just, like... Not a pill. No. So it's so different than like with with a normal um, vaccine, you just put it into muscle, right? So they can mm-hmm. just. It's very easy, I guess, relative. Mm-hmm. Or do they have to? Infu- I don't actually. I don't know. Like because so Caden, Caden like had uh, a drug like this when he was one and two years old. There's a virus called RSV that causes basically a common cold in adult, but it's very dangerous for um, infants yeah. and for like complex kids like Caden. So I think all babies, all infants that are born in winter get this shot and then kids like Caden get it up to age two. And so for the first two winters of his life, we had to go monthly to the hospital mm-hmm. for these shots mm-hmm. that were super expensive. Um, but because it's just an antibody and then it will just degrade over time. So you have to just keep going every month, but it was just a shot. It was just a needle. It, it was. wasn't difficult. So maybe, so maybe it was expensive. Yeah. Um, that is very exciting. So though. anyways, that's an interesting pursuit. That is good news. Okay, so now we can go to bad oh. news. It's not bad news. It's just no, no, heavy. No. So um, on Twitter, Twitter is the greatest thing for a time like this when mm-hmm. there's just so many experiences to be shared and to be understood by other people. And so today and yesterday, I've seen a lot of doctors talking about the reality of this situation and really like they're facing their own mortality um in the states there was a doctor talking about how their team got together and talked about like end of life wishes and um yeah how they want it to go if they get sick um jane philpott wrote an article for McLean's. It wasn't as personal, but she had the, she just, it was mostly like a hopeful article, but she just snuck this line in there that was, mm-hmm. I am afraid of what lies ahead for humanity. Mm. I was like, okay. Um, and then she just says that, you know, we really hope an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Um, 
in that we desperately want public officials to take every possible step to lessen the burden of disease so critical care and emergency health teams will not be overwhelmed and the volume of suffering and grief will not consume society. Yeah. Because I think, you know, that's what's happening in Italy. That's what's going to happen very shortly in the U.S. Yeah. And even the stories in Canada. Like, there's only... And even the stories in Canada. The handful we've gotten so far the the st- you know the faces are st- people are telling their stories which i think is yes. brave even though it's so hard like there's been um, six deaths in ontario and i think we know the stories for two of them now there's that 51 year old man mm-hmm. you mentioned right and then yeah. this was a the 77 year old man who had traveled to india i think and then came back um and he passed away within a week after he had seven days after he started experiencing symptoms his daughter and son-in-law are both doctors in the hospital where he died and uh they just describe how how terrible it is to have to go through this because Mm -hmm. you can't go like you have to wear a mask and you have you can't touch the person you can't be in the room you're only allowed in the room for a certain amount of time like it's the worst way to say goodbye to somebody it's hard and some people aren't even allowed to say goodbye yeah but i mean there's two different levels of tragedy and i think that's what jane philpott was touching on when she says i'm afraid of what lies ahead for humanity yeah like everybody because there's Certainly, already there's personal tragedy here, mm-hmm. obviously. But when you get to the levels, the case levels and the death levels of where Italy is, then it becomes like a societal tragedy. Right, yeah. And so it's like, can we, we can't, you can't avoid the personal tragedies can we avoid the societal tragedy like can we have like i think that happens if we can provide proper care to each person who is ill i think we avoid the societal tragedy do you think i don't know i mean i still think if just uh, i'm just thinking about already how where where i you know someone passed away at work like a colleague at work passed away unrelated to COVID-19 but mm-hmm. we're all swept up in our own stuff mm-hmm. and like that person's family is going through some s- like obviously yeah. a tough time uh, how much help are they getting going through that yeah how many right. of, like everyone's going to be dealing with their own tragedy and not have anyone around to help them like mm-hmm. they're going to be through and it's like a worst like yeah it's like not any kind like people have been through like death before of it yeah just this like crazy so fast and so awkwardly yeah no visitation no funeral you don't get that time to really have close like it feels like yeah and and so how many how many people are going to be hurting and unable to help the other people that are hurting that's what i'm yeah i'm worried about um Okay, and then one can we handle one more heavy thought here? Do you have any good news first? Well, it's connected, though. Hmm. 
I have, I, well, I have a piece okay. of good news, but you can, right. but you can do the connected one first. Okay. So the other thing that doctors are writing about is how is trying to figure out how they're going to triage patients if they yeah. run out of ventilators. Right. Um, so kind of getting advice globally in the States, apparently depending on how bad it gets, they will only have one point or they'll have one point four to 30 patients per ventilator that they have. And so there was one paper going around that suggests that there should be in the hospital, like a committee of people who are not of people of like doctors, yeah, but who are not directly involved in the patient care. Yeah. To decide, to decide like who seems to have the best chance of survival because that's where you want like you want somebody the ventilator to go. I guess that's how they're deciding it. So you want somebody who's like not a, like can be objective. Yeah. A little more objective. A little or or more a panel objective. even like. Because they're also talking about if you like kind of make a doctor take their own patient yeah. off a ventilator for certain death, like the the trauma to that doctor yeah. is big too. That's a good point. And so if there's kind of like a committee Yes. That they they can take the blame. It's not their patient. I don't know. It's just very hard questions that the medical community is discussing right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're discussing it on Twitter. So openly. I l- yeah. I was listening to a podcast today that was talking about right now Twitter might be a better source for searching news than Google primarily because Google kind of based on your search history will target certain things towards right. you. You're stuck in your echo chamber. Yes. And that isn't true in Twitter. You search for... If ha- you search. If you search, but that's, I mean, as a search engine. So as yes. a search for news. Yes. If you want to understand a topic and you search mm-hmm. that, whatever, the tags around that topic, mm-hmm. you see everything. Right. You don't get, that's f- not filtered in any way. No. So you, it's, which isn't, I mean, you can do it. But knowing what to search for is, that's in your echo chamber too. Maybe. Maybe in a big topic you can get out of your echo chamber. Like if you type in COVID-19, you're going to get, like in that big topic, yeah, you'll get, you're right. I mean, it depends what, what the, Mm -hmm. if there's spin in the, based on the hashtag that's already out there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter is a big giant echo chamber. It is built to be an echo chamber, but I do see the point of the search. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that in in an interview with the CEO, he was saying they want to make it less of an echo chamber. They want to make it easier for you to get all the perspectives on not just the people you're following, but have some other thing that, gives mm-hmm. you information that's not within the echo chamber but related right there i think they're working on it they're trying because they see the importance of busting down echo chambers which is interesting yes um the thing i was going to mention briefly well two th- the first the bad i guess not really bad yeah it is bad news uh amy klobuchar's husband has 
coronavirus as, as COVID-19. Um, so not, I don't think he's in critical condition. He's on oxygen in the hospital. Um, she seems like she's working hard on various things. I can't, I can't remember if she's a congressperson or a senator, but she's working mm -hmm. hard on different things. One of them is figuring out how the election is going to work. And so they're, they're, she's fighting to get like basically voting by mail and extended early voting in place so that people don't, um, don't show up and spread COVID-19 during the election and that the, there's a, there's a solid way for the election to proceed without it mm -hmm. being delayed. Yeah. That's an important thing for the U S for sure. Mm -hmm. What else I saw our, our counselor, Josh Matlow posted a thing today that they have help for seniors in Toronto in low income housing. So there's a number you can call and a volunteer who's been screened for, I'm not sure exactly mm. what, mm. will come and like can get groceries for you or whatever if you need help. Mm. He seemed pretty proud of that. Mm. I thought that was a nice initiative. Yeah. And the other thing, community thing I saw, and I think this is true like everywhere, is that, um, our healthcare system is really in need of blood donations, mm. not because COVID-19 patients need blood, but because regular patients need b blood and tons and tons of blood drives have been canceled oh, because right. of physical distancing. Yeah. So if you're willing and able, okay, go donate some blood. Th so those places must still be open. I think some of them must be, but not like the community, like the school the blood drives and yeah. work blood drives. Those things will be closed, but yeah. presumably the Canadian blood services permanent locations are still open in some fashion. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Joke? I do have a joke. Good. Um... My friend Suzanne, actually from high school, she listens to this podcast. Hi, Suzanne. And she sent me a joke today, so I didn't even have to look for one. Nice. Okay. What kind of jokes does the CDC recommend? Inside jokes. This <laughs> 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 is a good one. Yeah. Good. I also thought of one other sort of happy note to end on. Okay. The, I think this was Avril, who's another listener of her podcast, m mentioned today on Twitter that it's the first time that it's 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 a nice thing that now when people ask people, "How are you?" There's you actually you get a real answer. real like people are asking for real because mm -hmm. they really want to know, and people are being honest. It's it's a. It, yeah. I've noticed that people people really want like when you like and they ask it different. I find people are asking it differently. Right. It's not just how's it going. Like it's like how are you with all mm -hmm. of this craziness? Right. <laughs> like it's it's definitely that we all have in common. Every yeah, it's a common thing. Everyone knows it. It's mm -hmm. challenging, and it's uh, it is a very nice consequence. Mm -hmm. All right. I think we're done. Okay. Good, good night. Good night.